HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Hello, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer, and it is Thursday, February 8th, 2024, and this is our 379th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. This show will be broadcast next week. So today, I'm on location with two executive chefs at their world-renowned restaurant, New York City's Hell's Kitchen neighborhood, and I'll introduce them fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be adaptable. Yes, have flexibility. And by this, I'm actually not referring to my yoga practice, although flexibility is good for that too. But I am talking about life and work in general and our ability to adapt to situations, effectively handling adversity and challenges without it getting the best of us. Being able to adjust will not only help us become better problem solvers, but it will also allow us to gain more of an appreciation by others and provide new opportunities. So let's all be ready to adapt. It's a great quality to have for many reasons. That's my tip today. Okay, so as I mentioned, I'm excited to be on location with two guests and they are Max Nat Messning and Marco Prinz, the newly appointed executive chefs at world-renowned restaurant Chef's Table at Brooklyn Fair in New York City. Max and Marco previously worked together at Chef's Table earlier in their careers and now bring their deep culinary experience and expertise from working in Michelin-starred restaurants around the world. 
Raised in Austria, Max most recently led the two Michelin-starred restaurant Alois in Munich, where he was also named one of Germany's 50 best chefs, and prior worked at award-winning restaurants like Rotwand and Styrarec in Austria, The Nomad in New York, and La Auberge de L in France. Originally from Holland, Marco previously served as the executive chef at Ukiyo in New York, which was awarded a Michelin star under his tenure, and multiple three Michelin-starred restaurants in Europe, including Park Hoeveel and Oud Sluis in the Netherlands and Zilt in Belgium. And without further ado, welcome to the show. I got a little thumbs up there with some pronunciation, which <coughs> I'm very happy about, so I did okay. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, hi. I'm Hello. so excited to be here with you both. Thank you. Thank you. We are very, uh, very happy you are here. Yes. Well, and I had a wonderful dinner here about a month, five weeks ago, yeah. and it was fantastic. So we'll, we'll talk more about that later in the show, but let's, let's jump a little into your backgrounds because I always like to find out how chefs got into the industry and what led you to become a chef. So... Max, you want to start? Yeah, let's do it. So tell me a bit about growing up and when did you know you wanted to be a chef? So I grew up in Austria, like 45 minutes southeast of Vienna. And I came from a doctor's family. My dad's a doctor. My grandfather was a doctor. My sister's a doctor. So in the beginning, um, I was always torn to my grandmother, who was an amazing cook, especially on Saturday and Sunday school for the whole family. And then got a little bit of uh, feedback from my parents because they wanted that I go to school until I'm 18 to really, because they weren't sure if this whole chef thing was ideal for me, especially in my young age. But I was always very stubborn and I wanted to go into the kitchen. I always felt like when we ate out, my parents loved to eat out good on Saturdays. We went to a nice restaurant in Vienna or in, in the, in the next town where I grew up and I always was like felt the energy coming out of the kitchen felt the dishes the sensory part was amazing and I always felt drawn to that so after 18 I still said let's do it I want to still go to the kitchen and I went to Vienna two years to a tourism school where from 18 to 20 in the middle of that you can make a stash and everybody went as a bartender or I don't know something random and I picked the two Michelin star restaurant, the Auberge which you mentioned before, and that really opened the door and the chef was really showing me the French way of cooking and still that day I think about this one lobster dish she made which was amazing and after those two three months I went to Restaurant Steirach which is also the 50 best and Hans Heidler told me, yeah, you can start in the kitchen, but don't expect too much because you don't have the culinary background. And I was like, let's do it. I'm super up for it. And two years there, I totally loved it. And there was always coming up this news popping up from Holland, from this amazing, talented chef with three Michelin stars, 20 points out of 20, Gomio. And I said, I have to go there. I have to check that out. In the beginning, I went there, worked for free for three months. And all the friends, all the cooks I worked with at Styrex said, yeah, you're going to be back in two years, I, in, in two weeks. And this made me even, the fire burning me more stronger. And I proved them wrong and I just uh, stuck around there. And that's actually where I met Marco. Oh. So this is where our story began. Good segue. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, Marco, what led you 
to working there. Take take us back a little bit. I am uh, from Holland, as you know, and I grew up in a small town in a region where all the produce glass houses are from. So we have amazing flowers there, uh, amazing vegetables, amazing produce. Um, I'm a son of uh, entrepreneurs. My mom and dad had their own company, so they were farmers, flower farmers. And I grew up on a farm, so we had our own chickens, you know, sheep, we had horses. We also grow our own vegetables. The neighbors had another vegetable. They trade. And I fell really in love with those flavors. They are like, you know, they're taking me back. Like, you can almost not find it anymore, those kind of flavors, you know. Really local food style. And at that time, um, I always was cooking a little bit with my mom or paying attention to her. She was a very good cook. She used amazing products. And they also were, they were big foodies. They always went out together. Sometimes we also were joining. We went to great restaurants. And then I said to myself, I want to become a cook. Yeah. And at that time, uh, there was my first, uh, there's like, uh, in the Netherlands, there's like the education. You go one day a week to school and the rest of it, you find uh, a location, a restaurant where you learn how to cook. And this guy, um, he took me, you know, the owner of the restaurant to Rhymes. It's the Champagne region where all the Champagne is from in France. And it was such an amazing experience, an eye-opener for me. So we ate that day at lunch in a two-star restaurant. We drank the whole day champagne. We went to the champagne houses. And I thought, like, wow, I love the energy that is here in the restaurant. I love, like, how they cook, how they present the food, how passionate about it. And this guy, he really, you know, he taught me about the Michelin Guide. He said, like, if you really want to become one of the best or a good chef, you need to start finding, you know, a spot to... Uh, to work in one of the restaurants. That's, you know, how I started. And it was not easy. I talked about 20 years ago. And people lined up to work in those places. So, or even, you know, they hired four, four students and only two survived. So it was like, you know, it was tough. But, you know, I put my head down and did my job. And now I'm here. So I'm very proud of that. And also, like as uh, Max already mentioned, I worked at Restaurant Outslaves where we met. At that time, there was like, one of the hottest restaurants in Europe. It closed down because the, the chef owner, it's, you know, it's, it just became too much because it was such a creative place at that time. You know, it had 20 points, Gomeo, three Michelin stars. All the best chefs from the world travel, especially to that place because that chef, Sergio Herman, he was overflowing from creativity. It was very, you know, it was not easy. We made many hours there during the day, but, the team effort we had there and it was going to war together yeah it really formed you know our mentality to do this kind of job on the highest level and as i already mentioned it closed down in 2013. um i visit new york really on a city trip i love the energy here and i thought like i want to go one year to new york and it was uh, i did that on a student visa and i started here in the city at 11 Madison park oh i missed yes. that in, yeah. in the bio <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, I don't mention it because I only worked there for six weeks okay. because it was like um, not my like you know I didn't like it that much. My opinion, they have an amazing you know quality of food. They have an amazing you know mm -hmm. uh, organization, but I was like always working in smaller restaurants, familiar like you know more as I already mentioned before. That made me you know apply for the job at the chef's table at that time in Brooklyn. And around what year was that? Like 2013, 14? 2013, yeah. I started in Chef's Day when we were in the old location. Yeah, I dined there once. 
So I was looking back. It opened, I believe, in 2009. Yeah. And for people who are not familiar with it, it's in, and we're still right now, we're in a grocery store in the back. It was yeah. part of a grocery store called Brooklyn Fair in Brooklyn. And the time I went, it was still BYOB or BYOW, you know. So it was very early on. And I dine a lot solo. And I remember they wouldn't take solo diners at the time. So I went with a friend and I had an exceptional experience. It was, it was, it was like 25, 26 little bites. And it was, it was really, it was, it was really wonderful, extraordinary. And I kind of savored that experience and I hadn't been here um, even though I knew the restaurant had moved to this location from Brooklyn to Manhattan, but I've like always had that experience. And now I have your experience of dining here, which I think is also so special and it was like absolutely fabulous meal. Um, so because you guys worked together in Europe and then did you just coincidentally come across each other working at Brooklyn fair or no, was that a plan funny. where you like, Hey, we Why already we follow the restaurant already here. Uh, when we were working in the Netherlands, we were always talking about when Big Cities, the Michelin Guide came out. We remember to the day of yesterday that we were talking about the chef's table because they received three Michelin stars. Yeah. And it was so special because you couldn't find a lot on the internet. You know, you didn't really know what they did. It was like part of a grocery store, so it makes it very, you know, unique. And we already like mentioned it. And then, um, as I said, I moved to New York, and Max also, he moved to New York. Um, I started at Daniel Ham, but I, you know, moved into the chef's table. I was working there for a year, and then uh, it was very hard to get, you know, a spot under uh, Cesar's, uh, in Cesar's team, because it was such a small team. There were only Cesar and maybe two, three chefs. Yeah, I remember it was yeah, exactly. There were only also yeah. 18 seats, yeah. so it was a very small, intimate place, you know, very special. And then I remember there was a spot free. And I said, you know, because I know Max, I have a guy really interested to work here. So that's also like how Max joined the team again. And then we worked for many, many years together. Yeah. So I came to the city because um, we had a lot of stagiaires in Holland. And one of them was Austin Johnson from One White Street. Oh. Yes. I've, I've, I've dined at their downstairs, not yeah. the upstairs, but it was and wonderful. Yeah. I've been meaning to go back. Such a nice concept. Yeah. And he was the reason. Because he started in Holland, and he was back in the day working at Lev Medicine Park. He was like, he wanted to open the Nomad under Daniel Hume, and he told me, "You want to join the team?" And I said, "Yeah, have you heard about New York? I want to check it out." And then I went there, uh, worked there for a year, met my lovely wife, who also works here now. Yes, I was happy to meet her the other yes, night too. Exactly, and then Marco texted me and said, "After a year, there's a spot for you at Brooklyn Fair." That was kind of how we met again. And then we just worked there. It was yeah. really, really special because it was so mythical and it was so three stars, such a small counter. And it was the birthplace of chef's table fine dining, I would say, all around the world. Yeah. Because he modernized it. Yeah. It's very, very unique, special. The fact it was in a grocery store, yeah. too. Yeah. It was a little kitschy and... Um, in a part of Brooklyn that wasn't known for no. Michelin star restaurants. Exactly. So, so then after that, you, you both went back to Europe and then we can fast forward a little to how you ended up coming back here now, because for people maybe not as familiar, 
Cesar Ramirez was the chef for these years we're talking about and is no longer the chef. Mm -hmm. And you guys came as the co-executive chefs to take over. So take us back, but get us back to Manhattan. So it was, we both got the call directly. We both were approached to do it together. When you were, you were back in Europe. Yes. Okay. That's what you mean, right? Yes, yes, yes. And then shortly before, and then he approached us and we were like, this is super smart. We do it together. New York is very competitive. And especially if you have a future vision about this place and you do it together, it's just very safe. You know what I'm saying? Because it gives stability to the whole team, to the whole place, and we know each other for a long time. So it was a no-brainer. It was obviously an amazing opportunity and we directly went for it. Yeah. I think especially in 2024, it's you know, getting way more normal to have two head chefs, yeah. especially for a place like this. People also expect we are always here. We are always here. Like, you know, it's very important to us. But, like, there's always, you know, in life, things coming up, you know, and one can go there and the other one is still here. So yeah, you can have a day off. It, you know? yeah. <laughs> not that Maybe. Do that, but, yeah, but, you know, and, like, as you know, like, uh, the owner, Mo, Mo Aisa, he approached us and it's, like, you know, still, uh, we are very grateful for that. You know, he gave us this opportunity. But it also makes it very easy because we know when for such a long time. We worked under him, you know, for uh, almost five years before. And, you know, that makes it always way more comfortable and way more easy. Yes. So how do you work together as co-executive chefs? So it comes supernatural. Marco does his thing, I do, do my thing. And then we all meet up here and uh, prepare everything for the, for the, for the dinner service. Yeah. And everything comes very natural. When we create new dishes, we we brainstorm and we absolutely want to involve the team so they feel special, they feel incorporated in this very important moment of creating a new dish. And because I can learn from them, they can learn from us. We have all different, seen different things, you know, techniques, and it all comes very natural, to be honest. Yes, and it's, a, it's really a team effort. Without the team, like we are also, we are nothing. So we want to mention it as well, and it's not only the food, it's the whole experience of the restaurant. It's about the music, it's about the setting, it's about the plate where the videos. It's about the amazing, you know, we have an amazing sommelier, Peter, amazing restaurant manager, Mike, who works already here for nine years. So, and also like everybody stayed, the whole team, they stayed with the transition when we flying in from Europe and, you know, we took over. So it's for us very important that everybody is really a part of that team. You know, it makes them the end of the day also very proud. You know, we can learn from each other. Um, of course, we are, you know, at the end of the day, we are the, the one that's responsible. We are the chefs, but we really like to take them into the story that we are creating. Yeah, well, it was so beautifully orchestrated, I would say, dining at the chef's counter, which is most, I don't know, half the restaurant, most of the restaurant is around this beautiful open kitchen. And it was pretty amazing to watch you and your team work because you just kind of magically created one of the courses and then cleaned up. It was like almost like disappeared, like it was a like a clean kitchen again. And then you kind of swooped in and like boom, 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 created a yes. second course. And it was like a ballet almost. And it's kind of amazing how very quiet too the communication because I've way back in the day worked in kitchens and the culture was loud and you know a little chaotic and this Mm -hmm. was not loud or chaotic (laughs) um it was really beautifully orchestrated the food was 
exquisite. So how do you define your menu now and compared maybe to what the original days of Brooklyn Fair, going back like 15 years ago, what Cesar was his menu? And how do you deal with customers' guest expectations? Is it a mix of like new customers and also people who maybe were familiar with the other place? So my questions are like, define your menu now, like how you would describe it and the expectations with guests coming in, how you're, how you're dealing with that. We definitely like, we respect like this restaurant. I mean, we, you know, it's like a certain way how we do things here. Like also how we talk, like the former step says, we talk us different things, you know, we work with the best ingredients, you know, we have the most beautiful plate to our most beautiful wine list. And that we definitely want to keep up. So we also keeping that up. We created dishes together, also with the whole team. We were honestly very seasonable. Um, you know, like we got a message today that the first white asparagus are coming out and we get creative about that. You know, we're gonna create a dish with that or the moral mushrooms or we change the proteins here and there when they are in season. What's very important is that you have to respect the past. Like the, you have to respect the success story of this restaurant at 12, 12 years, three Michigan stars. So you cannot directly, when we come, change the whole menu. We both, Marco especially, worked five years on the Caesar. I worked three years on the Caesar, which is a very, very long time. And there's not a lot of chefs who stuck around for that long of time. Mm -hmm. so, so all the dishes, of course, um, the spirit is still there, but the most important thing is that we have our own European DNA on the dishes, yeah. that you can really tell the, the difference. But the spirit needs to be preserved. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Otherwise, I the, the, the core guest who, who come here, they would be kind of shocked a little bit, yeah. if you know what I'm saying. So we try to balance it out in that way. And most of the people, they, they love the food. We have the direct, um, the direct um, customer feedback. They love it. They love the atmosphere. They love the, the warmth, which is really important for us to, to transport via the front of the house. Everybody, like Marco said, uh, they, they stuck around throughout the changes and they're really proud to represent us. This really makes the whole experience very special. Yeah, well, you're doing an outstanding job. It is a very special experience. And also your menu is a little more seafood-driven, yeah, yeah, I believe, yeah, which yeah, but that's I'm also a seafood where, lover. Where, so. we, where yeah. we're known for. Yeah. Like, we are known for the Japanese products that didn't change. Like, we have a guy in the fish market, and we are totally in contact with him. He chooses for us the best sea urchin, the best tuna, and the best mud. I like, you know, I can keep going and going. But, for example, we also serve now Turbo from the Netherlands. It's like really my heritage. It's the king of the of the sea, they call it that. It's super, super exclusive. Nobody know that I know does it in the city. You know, they are super big and it's such a nice, you know, privilege to work with such a beautiful product, you know, that we do here. And like the feedback from our guests is like amazing about that. Like, you know, we are so happy also like to work in an open kitchen, you know, to have that kind of feedback, to have yeah. a little chat, you know, to talk to the to the guests. Absolutely. And desserts too, those are your dishes? Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. They were also wonderful and delicious. Yeah, they should be refreshing. <laughs> yeah. They should yeah. be on Not the too refreshing, heavy. refreshing yeah. side, especially yeah. when you have so many courses. Yeah. We don't want something heavy, so we really try to put the emphasis yeah. on some citrus notes or, or pears or yeah. bay or something, which yeah. just brightens up the palate. Now we make uh, our uh, 
our black truffle ice cream. We serve it now because before we had a white truffle ice cream, but the season is over. So, and we made it from an amazing soy milk from Japan, you know, from a small farm. So that makes it also dairy free. Less we know, it's more refreshing, more light, and it goes very well in a, in, a, in this tasting menu that we serve. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm like looking. Where's the walk-in? No, it's so I'm sure it's making you're making it fresh. Um, well, it sounds fantastic. Let me ask you my question for my last guest on episode 378. I had on another chef. His name is Angelo Sosa. He's the executive chef at Tia Carmen and Cambara, which are both at the JW Marriott Phoenix Desert Ridge Resort and Spa in Phoenix, Arizona. I was there last weekend. I did this interview in person, which was really great. It was warm and sunny, <laughs> warm-ish and sunny. Okay, so this is his question. Working in Michelin star restaurants, you're at the top of the food chain and having a unique restaurant like Brooklyn Fair with so much notoriety and known for your innovation as well. One of the biggest things in the business or in any restaurant is chasing consistency. Consistency is the hardest. How do you maintain consistency in your restaurant? And actually, I condense that down a little bit, mm -hmm. but that's the gist of it. Consistency. So it speaks again for the vision of mold contacting the both of us, the consistency just lies in our bond we created in Holland so that the both of us are here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the consistency is we know each other. The consistency is the team stayed on and the consistency is just that we are here every day. Yeah. And the consistency is that we have the privilege here <clears throat> with Mo that is supporting us endlessly, yeah. you know, the owner of, the, of this place. And it's like really the biggest privilege we have. And that we are, you know, it's like a little gem for us. Like we buy and we get always the best product. As I already mentioned before, that is the DNA of this restaurant. We cannot change that. We will not change that. And also like our clientele, our guests, they expect that. Yeah. You know, they really expect to, that we serve them the best, the best of the best. And that is like, you know, that is such a privilege. And like, that's for us like a dream coming through to work here. And that is like, you know, that starts with our, you know, the the vendors we work with, like they have to, they have to deliver, they have to deliver us the best product. And like, for example, if we, we have something that is not to our liking or like, you know, our Japanese guys, they are like very serious about it. They say like, okay, it's not good. We cannot sell this to you. Like we cannot, you know, provide this, mindset. you know, as the mindset, we won't serve it. I mean, you know, we won't serve you something or we're going to do a hiccup or we're going to change something like just to make it, you know, uh, make it up. You know, that's not our style. That is like how the consistency, I think, yeah. works. Yeah. And right now you're open. It's only dinner yes. and it will, will it always yeah. only be dinner? It's not, yeah. it, does, yeah. it feels like it's a dinner tasting menu yeah. place, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not Sunday brunch, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. No, true, yeah. <laughs> no, we have only dinner, but we do, we do two seatings. So. Yeah. Um, that's also like, it's basically like we are Europeans, you know, we always work in European kitchens and there you do lunch and dinner, but here's a little bit different. You do like only dinner, but then you basically, you put them together, the lunch and dinner. And also I like the, the style of New York. It's, you know, way more fast forward, you know, European style is more long on the table, sometimes six hours and here's, you know, two and a half hours maximum. That's yeah. what I really appreciate about New York, that everything moves a little bit faster. Well, yeah, it does move way faster. And I'm, I'm smiling because every time I'm in Europe, I don't know when I'm, I was like solo dining in Paris and yeah. it's so lovely. But at the end of the meal, when 
there's nothing on the table, there's no water, there's, and trying to get the check, and then once you get yeah. the check, trying to pay. I mean, it's it's lovely that you can just yeah. sit there yes. forever, yeah. <laughs> but it's very different than way, here, yeah, where it's, it's like they drop we drop the check yeah. and like yeah. next yeah. next seating, yeah. please. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay, so before we take a break, uh, one more question for both of you. I have a new book out called Chef Wise, Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World. And I want to know, tying to my book, like what's your top advice for aspiring young cooks or people who might want to get into this industry? Be patient and be committed to what you do. Yeah. And put time into your craft and try to perfect the craft and also try to put your head down, like Marco said before, when the times are rougher, this just forms uh, your own art character and try to stick around at a place, try to work with the chef, try to see the, the dishes the chef changes over a period, not just a year, maybe two, three years, which is sadly getting less and less. And I think that it's definitely going to form a better character as a young chef if you really should actually work at a longer time at a restaurant. If you are dedicated to a certain place, yeah. you know, you can also grow in that particular place, you know, because hard work, it will pay off. Yeah. That is, that is the most important thing. And if you are not patient, if you move around, say like I, of course the, the world is like, you know, it's very open now, everything with social media. When we started cooking, that was not there, there was no social media. So you really had to work somewhere to learn, you had to buy a book a famous chef and those were not cheap around that yeah. time you know you really had to stay for it or you had to go eat somewhere now times everything is open everybody can see there are no you know there are no secrets from anybody but like still you know it's not only about the cooking where you're going to learn that you're going to see some service wise you're going to learn some standards you know you're going to shape yourself in that time and that's not going to happen just in a few months you never you know it takes time so be patient be dedicated that's the most important advice I want to give Amazing. Yes, very true. Okay, so on that note, let's take a little break and then we will come back. We'll play my speed round, talk some industry news. I have my solo dining experience and the final question. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. 
Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer, and today my guests are Max Nat Messning and Marco Prinz, the executive chefs at world-renowned restaurant Chef's Table at Brooklyn Fair, and it's time for my speed round game. So what this is, is I'm going to name a couple things, and you got to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Okay. You get your choice. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant. Eat out in the restaurant. Eat out, definitely. Indoor dining or al fresco dining? What's al fresco dining? Uh, dining outside. Right. Indoor. Indoor. Okay. <laughs> that one, I, I've been doing my show now 10 years, which is crazy, but that question I added in during the pandemic because all of a sudden yes, the yes, only yes. choice for dining <laughs> out, at least in Manhattan, yes. was outdoors for yes. a long time, so yeah. al fresco. Um, okay, um, wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Champagne. I love water. Water. Yep. I love water, too. Yeah. Tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting menu. Tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. A lot of small plates. And for people listening, just Marco tending to answer before Max, so you know who's saying who's saying what, but um, they'll get your voices. Okay, a communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? To be honest, I don't have really an answer because we are Europeans, so yeah, but tipping, I say tipping as well. Yeah, yeah that's the one in the, but, my game that's always yeah. like could be a whole show yeah. talking about yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> And it is more of a U.S. Yeah. conversation. Yeah. Okay, a few more. I think you've already answered this. Open kitchens or closed kitchens? Open kitchens. Open kitchen. I thought so. Kind of answered this too, but cooking or living in Europe or in the U.S.? In the U.S. In the U.S., absolutely. Love it. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Dessert. Manhattan or Brooklyn is the last one. Manhattan. Manhattan. Ta-da. That's the game. Thank you. <laughs> well, you guys definitely um, have a lot of similar yeah, answers yeah. there. So see. Sure good partners. Yes, exactly. yes. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so for industry news, I picked out an article on the Michelin Guide that just came out a couple days ago, and it's entitled, A New Three-Star Restaurant in the Michelin Guide, Great Britain and Ireland. From Great Value Bib Gourmands to Michelin Stars, Sustainable Green Stars to Special Awards, discover all the new awards presented at the Michelin Guide ceremony. And this is on, on the 5th of February. Yeah. So yeah, I thought having worked in so many Michelin star restaurants, being from Europe, this would be fun to talk with you guys a bit about. I yeah. think the big news or headliner here is that the Leadbury in London 
now has um, three Michelin stars. It's the ninth of the three Michelin was added to the list, which I think is a big deal. Um, I've never dined there. It's always been on my list, and I ha- mm-hmm. it's still on my list. Mm-hmm. So have you been there before? Sadly, no. But I know somebody who worked there. Yeah. Well, that counts. Yeah. Well, you all need to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, happy for them. I mean, looking at the three-star restaurants on the list, also Core by Claire Smith is on it, and I recently dined there. She's in my book, and mm-hmm. I went for lunch, and that was fantastic. Um, I saw the Enclume and Cartmel at Simon Rogan's place, and he's also in my book, and he he's up of the three stars. She's an amazing chef. I worked, uh, I did an internship at Restaurant Gordon Ramsay, Royal Hospital Road, a uh, very long time ago, and yeah. she was, at that time, she was the head chef. That's okay. how I know her. Uh, I did an, I, they offered me a job there, but um, I took another job. I went to a restaurant in Shelton in Belgium, but also has three Michelin stars in Antwerp. Yeah. So, but it was an amazing experience. It was only for like a week, but she's so driven. She's such a perfectionist. It's like, and also like, I love it. That's like, you know, more women, they're also getting into yeah. the kitchen and then the recognition that is very important. 100%. This Claire Smith. Yeah. 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 It was, um, yeah, she's all of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's, she's super talented. Yeah. 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 She's really, yeah. I, we didn't eat, I mean, I didn't eat it yet, but I would love to uh, visit yeah. the restaurant. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was really <clears throat> lovely. Um, from start to finish, yeah. you feel very yeah. at home. So, yeah. um, question for you guys, like how, how important are Michelin stars even like today? Like, is it something that is always on your mind that you're going for? Or is it more you just do the work and if you're recognized, you're, yeah. I you're think, happy? To be very honest, it's more the second part what you said. It's more about giving the people who decide to dine with us the whole package, the same with your experience, the warmth, the feeling like at home, the very high standard of good food, the hospitality, the whole around package, and whatever comes, comes. That's what I think. We are confident enough, and we are working so long on the highest level. I mean, almost for, for whole training, we work in three Michelin star level restaurants. So we are super confident in what we do. You know, we are working together as a team, and the whole team also around it. So you know, there's no. Yeah. 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 I also wonder. I remember I talked to um, David Kinch on my show. Yeah, uh, Marisa. Yeah, amazing. Mar- yeah, amazing. I wow. dined there several Delicious. years ago too, and I, yeah. wonderful and I interviewed him about a year or so ago but he was telling me about the change of of customers coming in from when they went from two Michelin to three and like just you know all of a sudden you, you can you can get a reservation yeah. I mean it's um and also I think expectations going into oh, restaurants yeah, like that must change for you yeah. so but we we have the DNA of that expectation because we're working so long on that level. So, you know, we have those expectations and we will deliver every day those kind of expectations. You know, it's in, in, yeah. in our DNA and it's what yeah. we do. Yeah. Especially Marco worked for five years for Cesar. I worked there for three years. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we definitely know we worked so long for our slides. It's just like you know, always restart, restart, restart. But the, the DNA or the, the, the standard you deliver there, then it's almost yeah. uh, in us. Sort of. And that is what you what you mentioned before. They said like this play moves so beautiful and it's almost like a ballet. 
and that's like also because the team we have here they have the same passion they have the same standards like drive. the yeah. same drive and we discuss things like you know we are really working together and it's very important that you're not only coming for the food here but you come for the total experience you want to experience something like that but you experience here you know you want to you know you want to remember that you want to you know people yeah. come here to celebrate they have special occasions and we want to make it unforgettable for them. that's our biggest mission well from my experience you did and are doing that so congratulations Thank i think so it's much. really cool that you guys are chefing together and <laughs> yeah. with your team and really um yeah just even sitting here now it's yeah. and it's not set up for service but it's yeah. got a really warm beautiful feel you know it's just it's it's a nice it's a nice office <laughs> it's yes. a, got a good glow i guess yes. you'd say yes. um yeah beautiful kitchen okay so for anyone who wants to check out the full list just Google Michelin, Europe, yes. and Ireland. Um, and actually, I was in Ireland recently, and I went to one of the restaurants that was um, on the list, uh, Chapter One by Michael Villanero. And I, that's two Michelin star. I had a great meal there. And in London, I was at Ekoyi, which Jeremy Chand in my book, and yep. that was fantastic. So I'm trying to get through the list, but there's a lot, there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of restaurants. Yeah. It's a very long list. Oh, yeah. um, so congratulations to everyone. Okay, so it's time for my solo dining experience. So this week, it's at Ember. Here's the rundown. The location, the Wicopa Casino Resort in Fort McDowell, Arizona. The concept, destination dining experience with the highest quality steaks and seafood prepared over wood-fired grills. The chef is Richard Pels. So why did I go? Well, as I mentioned, I was out in Phoenix staying at the JW Marriott Desert Ridge and doing my interview with Angelo, but the chef Richard is someone I worked with on PR back in 2006 and 2007 when he had a restaurant in New York City called Goblin Market, which was a small, fantastic restaurant in Soho. And I was newer in my PR career. It was a really wonderful restaurant to be working with. And Richard was and has always been a wonderful chef. So I saw he was out there and I reached out and he said he was going to be there. So I was like, let me check out your new spot. So I actually hadn't seen him in 15 plus years. So that's why I went. And my experience, I got there, of course, got a big hug. <laughs> and I had a really wonderful little tasting menu. He made some dishes for me and I was sat right by the open kitchen different than here. I mean, it's more of a steakhouse, like big, mm -hmm. big restaurant, but it has a really large open kitchen with um, a, like a chef's pass counter nice. at the front. Yeah, and, nice. and so I was right there. I could watch the kitchen and it was, it was just really special to be there. So what did I get? Well, they sent me out this fancy mocktail that a bubble on top of a martini glass, which was, which was great. It popped when it got to the table. I also had a ceviche he made and that was delicious. Um, there was a scallop blossom, love that, a uh, pan-seared lamb rack with a rice bean cake, I think it was called Taku Taku, and it had a lamb jus with it, and for dessert, it was an extravaganza, I guess you'd say. Richard and his pastry chef laid down paper on my table, like, similar, he had worked at Alinea, so a little reference yeah. to Alinea, um, and made art on my table that Very was nice. enough dessert 
that I think I could have shared with about five or six people. <laughs> but I had my table of yes. art basically just like um, different truffles and different chocolates yeah. and different syrups all over yeah. the table. So it was super fun. So it was great. It was really special to be there. Um, the ambiance, as I said, it's a it's a casual but modern steakhouse. It's like brown and copper tones. Has a nice bar up front, and you do walk through a casino to get to it. The casino isn't as big as I was thinking. It was like going to Vegas all of a sudden. I was like, how am I going to find this restaurant? It's not that big, but it, it's a casino in Arizona, so my first for that. Okay, it's perfect for date night or dining with friends. I'd say. Interesting tidbit. So. Richard regularly competes in Ironman triathlons, which is so impressive because it's swimming, biking, and a marathon. And he told me how many times he's done it, like a dozen times. It's crazy. Very impressive. Personal fun fact. So when I was working with Richard at Goblin Market, we got this really nice press placement in Daily Candy, which at the time was the hot newsletter that it was very hard to get placements or coverage in it. And I think it was the first time I had one of my clients in that newsletter and it was a big deal. And the editor was Pavio Rosati, who's become a friend of mine. And she then founded Fathom, which is a travel website. Mm -hmm. And I've now written some articles on Fathom about solo dining and travel. So everything like ties together, but Daily Candy had a really good run. And anyone who's as old as I am in the industry (laughs) will know what I'm talking about. Also, when I was in Phoenix, I went to Lapa, which is where Digby Stritterier, the chef, and he's in my Chef Wise book, and he's a chef from St. Croix, and he's now living in Phoenix. So I went by there. I saw him. He signed my book. I met his lovely partner, Avilia, and had a nice meal there. And across the way, it's in this historic heritage square, is Chris Bianco's original Pizzeria Bianco. So I also stopped by there. So those are my meals in Phoenix, aside from all the lovely meals I had with Angela Sosa, Tia Carmen, and Amara. Okay, so the cost of my meal at Ember, it was comped as a guest. I'm very grateful. I did leave gratuity, and I'd say the average cost of the meal, it would be between 50 and 100. Okay, would I go back? Yes, their website is wecopacasinoresort.com and Instagram at Richard Pels, that's P-E-L-Z, and at Ember Wico. Ah, casino resort. There you go. Nice. Dining in Phoenix. Yeah, nice. Sounds and like a very nice experience. Yes. It really was. It was a reunion. And I think sometimes there's people, and I'm sure I'm sure you've had this, where you don't see them for a very long time, but you can immediately yeah. pick it back up. Yeah, I'll, I'll and that's that. how it was with Richard. I mean, I literally hadn't seen him in like 15 years. Yeah. We have the same. And we have a good many more people. Uh, we worked in the restaurant in the Netherlands, Outsliers, and it was so driven, so many hours, you know. It was like going to war together. And i just been chosen uh, last Monday uh, by the Gomeo Guide in the Netherlands as the best Dutch chef abroad. So I got that award and I saw some old, you know, colleagues over there. And it was like, if I saw them, you know, I said it yesterday. I've seen them from, not from yeah. many years, but it's still the same jokes. It didn't change. You know, it was such a nice experience. And I know exactly what you're talking about before. The yeah. new experience in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> and congratulations. Thank you. And thank you, Richard. It was special, you know, and I love, I love traveling 
particularly for this reason of connecting and meeting yeah. people, really. Yeah. It's And it's wonderful to have a wonderful meal. And it was, yeah. he's a great chef and yeah. it was fantastic, but it's the, it's the bonding, it you know, it's the friendships. Yes. So, okay. So it's time for the final question. So my next guest is Andrew Zimmer. He's a four time James Beard award winning TV personality, chef and writer and social justice advocate. Andrew's going to be down at the South Beach Wine and Food Festival coming up the end of the month, which I'm going to. I've been to this festival many times. My hometown is Miami, so I yes. tend to go to it. So I know we're going to be talking a little about South Beach, but we're also going to be talking about his fantastic career. I think I'm going to probably need a longer show with him. But Max and Marco, can you please ask a question for Andrew? It could be anything. That's a good, not a good question, to be honest. Yeah. But... Um, Maybe like uh, how does Andrew Zimmer men's day look like? From yeah. waking up in the morning to going to bed. That's a great question. Yeah. I was gonna ask you, I think that was in my notes somewhere to ask you, but I skipped over it. But that's I will ask him. Do you yeah. anything else or you just wanna stick no, it to one? I think no, that's the day like, yes. yeah. Just to give get I it. just yeah. wanna I just wanna know like a person like him, how he what he's doing during the day. Yeah, yeah, just the insight. Yeah. I'm going to find out, yes. and I'm <clears throat> curious to know myself because he's got a lot on his plate, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, th yeah, thank you. That's the show. Thank you. Thank you so very, much. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yes. Like, uh, I don't think we met, we met already before, but it's just, uh, you know, very privilege. comfortable talking to you yes. and a privilege that you're here. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. No, thank you so much. I. I loved meeting you when I was here yeah. for dinner and it was a really amazing experience and it's wonderful to be back and learn about your careers and so I wish you much success and you. hope yeah. to come back and have your food Appreciate again. Yeah, and, thank you. Love to see you. Um, so thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. My guests today have been Max Natnesnik and Marco Prinz, the newly appointed executive chefs at the world-renowned restaurant Chef's Table at Brooklyn Fair. You can follow them on social media. There's Max Nesnik at Marco Prinz New York and at Chef's Table Brooklyn Fair. And their website is brooklynfair.com backslash chefs dash table. So go to the website to learn more about them. And you can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check out my new book, ChefWise, Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World by Fiden. It's available wherever books are sold. Thanks to my engineer today, Armin. Thanks again to Max and to Marco and to the entire team at Brooklyn Fair. And to Nicole Scharf and Nina Hay from Mona Creative. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer. I will be back with a new show next week. Hope you'll tune in then, and thank you as always for being part of all the industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.